Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here. Dan Rubenstein right on over there. Solid Verbal at gmail.com. Still the email address. Feel free to find us on Facebook, on FanCred, and of course on Twitter. And don't forget to call in. Our reverb line one more time is 408-VERBAL-1. 408-VERBAL-1. We're going to get to your week three reverbs here momentarily. I am, as always, joined by my friend and co-host, his name is Dan Rubenstein, and he is fresh off a weekend trip to oh, where did you go again? I, w- I was in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. That's right. How was that for you? It was really fun. I had a fantastic time. My friend Mike, the original tie, as I mentioned last week. Corn dog, is it? Corn dog. Corn dog. Yeah, tall yeah. Mike. Corn dog. Uh, got married this past weekend in Boise, where he's from. I've been to Boise a number of times. It's a fun time. Uh, it was just a very quick, like thirty-six hour there and back, and. Uh, a little worn out, but excited. I watched. A, I actually watched a lot more football than I thought I would. Okay. Just because there were a, there was a lot of sitting around time. I was a groomsman, so it was like between picture stuff. And so with like the Pac-12 network stuff, with uh, the Watch ESPN, with uh, CBS streaming, I was able to watch a good amount. And then on the way back today, I am I am well versed, and I have some some hot sprouts takes. Ty. Hot sprouts takes. Hot sprouts takes. Um. Yeah, I'm going to make it through this show. How are you doing? How how has your weekend been? My weekend has been great so far. I am back from parts unknown along the Atlantic coastline. Yep. I am back in the Mama H Solid Verbal West studios here. (laughs) So our sound quality should be back up to snuff. I am doing well here. I'm excited to talk about week three, really a wilder week than I think either of us had bargained for. When we went through and did our previews on Wednesday, a lot of weird things happened this week, Dan. I'm not going to say all of it was unexpected, but I think there was more drama than we had bargained for just as we looked ahead and tried to preview this week. Would you agree? It always seems to be. Yeah, it always seems to be the case where you look at a week and you think it's really down and there's not a lot of interest and there's not there aren't a lot of games that will affect big picture college football stories. And those are the weeks where all of a sudden. Iowa State beats Oklahoma State, the number two team in the country, where all of a sudden you have all of these big changing things. Even though it's early on in the season, it did prove to sort of be meaningful for a lot of teams that we didn't necessarily look at as having the possibility to have impacts, whether it's Arkansas, whether it's East Carolina or Virginia Tech, whether it's Virginia, whether it's Texas, UCLA, and any of these teams, Boston College, that are now actively affecting top of the top landscape. I'm going to go back to something I said on last Sunday's show. I'm going to go back to something that our friend Ryan Annie, a.k.a. Celebrity Hot Tub, said on Twitter. Yeah. What if everyone stinks? It's entirely possible. What if everyone stinks? Now, I say that lightheartedly. I don't literally mean everyone stinks unless we're talking about the Big Ten. Right. What I do mean, however, is everyone with the exception of a handful of teams is really inconsistent and when you vulnerable and vulnerable Fatal flaws, when, yeah. when you've got that it doesn't matter how awful the slate looks before the week of games oftentimes you end up with more drama once the games actually are being played on the football field just a, a wild week we're going to get into it here i do want to start where we always start though mm. let's get rolling with those week three reverbs have a listen Hey guys, Jason from Seattle. This is Jeff in Chicago. Hey, this is Jesse in Houston. Uh, hey, this is Will. I'm a Texan lost in Yankee land. With the way Coach Malzahn is performing on CBS, I would have to say Auburn easily covered against the bye. And that coupled with uh, you guys taking uh, Southern Miss to cover the spread against Bama, I think you might need to change your mantra to Auburn minus anything. Did they just not have a shirt to fit Lane Kiffin when they hired him? Shane Ray and Marcus Golden bellying up to the QB buffet line. Eating good. Mizzou, 3-0. And I just need to know how much it's going to cost to get Dan to never, ever pick Georgia again. Kentucky football, 27 years. 
I'm going to say on fourth and seven, the play clock clearly expired. Just watch Penn State in the ugliest game since 6-4 Iowa come out with a win. Paint New York City blue and white tonight. Hackenberg isn't a punter. Franklin isn't a play caller. And this still isn't a rivalry. Could a worse thing have happened to the Big Ten than having Virginia Tech lose to East Carolina? And they look bad enough already. Hey, Texas, please take Greg Davis back. I gotta say, I think Desmond Howard scored some points in his argument about every goal, which is a new thing for Michigan against Notre Dame. So, good for them. Hey, boys, just wanted to point out that the Gophers, you know, they, they wanted to be part of the Big Ten, and what better way to do it than getting absolutely crushed. Do you weigh 300 pounds? And did you play offensive line in high school? Come to Wake Forest. We'll let you start. So by the transitive property of college football, does that mean UTSA is better than Texas? The Big 12 went 3-0 and against the Big 10. I know that's not MAC-type numbers, but I am kind of proud of it. Let's go, Mountain Let's look at the Heisman guy. My God, that's that's Tom Hammond's music, and he and he's hit Dan Hicks over the head with a, a steel chair. Damn you, Tom Hammond! Damn you to hell! I would like to thank Tom Hammond for an evening of statistical accuracies. I had no idea that Purdue's offensive coordinator John Shoup was also Notre Dame's defensive coordinator Brian Van Gorder. Uh, looks like Gunnar Keel may have uh, already played himself off the Matt Lavecchio All-Stars of quarterbacks transferring from Notre Dame to go into nothing. And I just wanted to say how awesome it was to hear Dan lock up the USC Trojans. I'd just like to say from all BC alum, we don't think we could have done it without you, Dan. Let's hope you bring us more luck this year. Go Eagles. Has anyone ever been the victim of field stormings more than USC? Cody Chester is who we thought he were. I actually went to the theater tonight. I went to see the unthinkable Molly Brown at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. So, West Virginia beat Maryland. Iowa State beat Iowa. TCU beat Minnesota. Washington beat Illinois. Notre Dame beat Purdue. And Bowling Green. Bowling Green beat Indiana. It's time for it to become a thing. The Big Ten in a losing effort. Ah, there you have it, Dan. There you have it. Going out on a weird note for the Big Ten. Those are your week three reverbs one more time. The phone number is 408-VERBAL-1. Now, the aftermath of week three is actually a really positive one for the SEC, which if you saw the most recent AP poll... There are five teams from the SEC West that are ranked in the top 10. Those are Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M, LSU, and Ole Miss. Things obviously in a much, much greater state of flux for the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. which through three weeks of the season may have already played itself out of the college football playoff. A few teams maybe still have a shot at that. But um, what were your general takeaways other than everybody being inconsistent and everybody staking? Not quite everybody. But a couple Pac-12 schools weren't all that good. Um, what just happened? Oh, I just a, a thing started playing on my on my uh, my computer. Somebody's talking about Josh Dumel on my computer, and I can't find it. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, I pulled up a window because I wanted to verify that Desmond Howard had Michigan sixth in the country preseason. Okay, in there his it is. power poll, and then there was some sort of autoplay something on that page. So thanks again for that, Desmond Howard, um, which I think we had a reverb about. What stood out to me, big story-wise, about uh, about week three? It, obviously, the USC Boston College game yes. was was the headliner, just because USC was a top ten team. Just the the fear of life that was put into teams we thought were pretty good, and or the loss of life with Virginia Tech going down, with Louisville going down, obviously Georgia going down to South Carolina. Not as much of a shocker as the Boston College upset win over USC was, but yeah, it was. Pretty much, and this is again simplifying. It's everybody might be really fatally flawed, which I think adds up to even though we have this top ten featuring five SEC West schools situation. I think we're gonna. It could be another like a bunch of teams are ten and two at the top. Yeah, eleven and two after whatever a championship game. I think you could have a lot of flux, a lot of arguments. Yeah, and it could lead to a very, very difficult job 
that needs to be done by the selection committee by the end of the season. There are there are certainly five or five or six, seven teams that I think we're pretty sure at this point um, can beat just about anybody in the country in Florida State, Oregon, Alabama, Oklahoma, Auburn, I think is at that point. Baylor, perhaps I, I think they're still a step behind Oklahoma. Um, but those five or six schools right now, I think we can say with pretty much certainty. But again, the Pac-12 is up and down the ACC not offering a ton, but that SEC West, they're going to beat each other up. So I, I think the biggest takeaway is I I want to say we're in a sort of an insane season swing yep, right yep. now. And here's the other thing. Here's what this means for us, by the way. You know, we prep our slate of games that we're going to preview before mm-hmm. each week. Yeah. And if you look ahead to week four, I don't know if it's a whole lot better than week three, maybe marginally better. There's a lot of good middle ground, middle class games. Yeah, a lot of like middle tier games. I think what this means after week two, week three, week four, all Mm -hmm. sort of being not that great. Once we get to week six, week seven, week eight, we're going to have like 15 games a week to talk about because there are going to be a lot of games really that are going to have some national significance. So, yeah, number nine in the country probably isn't going to be all that much better from number 19 or number 26, anything like that. It's going to be a week in and week out like, oh, this team is a three and a half point favorite on the road. And I have no idea what to think about that. Yep. A lot of parody this year. Let's get into it. As we look back on week three, you and I both did about the same with our picks. I was five, four and one. You were five, three and one. You missed on your USC lock. Well, Ty, I am the surest thing in college football picking. Uh, Our friend West Coast Wally has been keeping track. Yeah, I'm currently at 52 percent on the year. You're at 44% on the season. So you crept your way up. You were at like 35 I did, I did last actually, week. I did actually get into the positive on easy call as well. I went three and two against there you the go. spread. Well, so, it's good to which hear I was, I was kind of bummed. I wanted to either go five and oh, so I could still claim perfection or oh and five to go oh and 15 to start the season against the spread. That's like Prairie View. You, yeah, you don't want to use the term hero too much, but I feel like the courage I'm displaying right now. Let's get into it. Let's start with South Carolina, Georgia. Yes, this was the game of the day. Got off to a late start because of the weather. We both picked Georgia here. Both sort of left the real USC for dead after two unimpressive showings against Mm -hmm. A&M and East Carolina. Then they come along. This is the real USC, South Carolina, the real USC. That's That's right. Not even close to true. We'll continue. Then South Carolina comes along and totally redeems itself. Yeah. With this performance against Georgia, the Gamecocks win 38-35 over the Dogs. Todd Gurley, as you know, looked like a beast, and he got his. But South Carolina, I think, figured out the same thing that we did, that Georgia needed to throw the ball to win. Mm-hmm. And to Hudson Mason's credit, he looked okay. He just wasn't able to hit any big plays down the field. Right. Meanwhile, on the other side... Dylan Thompson was really the story of this game for me. He looked legit, killed Georgia over the middle of the field all game long. Mm -hmm. Georgia's defense just never had an answer. Jeremy Pruitt needs more of the pixie dust from Florida State. They just could not cover the middle of the field. And that is ultimately what I think was their undoing in this one. Yeah, Georgia's secondary coming into the season, we had we I think we both liked Damian Swan a lot, but beyond sure. that, with their attrition, that was still it it was and still is a big question mark. So it, it makes sense on a certain level that Dylan Thompson and South Carolina's experienced passing attack were they were able to succeed. Uh and the other big thing was Texas AM specifically is built to take advantage of a team like South Carolina with a little bit of struggle to get to the quarterback and a lot of struggle covering receivers down the field, especially for an extended period of time with Texas A&M's offensive line. Georgia, on the other hand, a good offensive line, but a power team without the ability to consistently throw the ball down the field. Hudson Mason's improving, but he's certainly not Aaron Murray. And without a big go-to receiver like Texas A&M appears to have like four, um, they have good receivers. Chris Conley is, is fine. He's good. Of course, Malcolm Mitchell's still out. Michael Bennett is sort of very inconsistent still. So Georgia isn't specifically, and it was very clear, built to take advantage of South Carolina's weaknesses. It's, it's one of those things where you look back at the game, you say, of course, even Georgia could have won this game by three points or something in overtime, something like that. But of course, that six and a half point spread, that home dog in the SEC, tough place to play, and a well-coached, experienced team it, the, the once the game is over, it's obvious you take those points. But yeah, I think Georgia specifically will succeed, but South Carolina is built to beat them and stay close to them at home. 
Yeah, and just like that, by the way, South Carolina now back in the driver's seat in the SEC East. The SEC East, a burning pile of rubber at this point outside the South Carolina. The list of quarterbacks in the SEC East, Ty. Well, right, of course. Not Purdy. No, outside South Carolina, outside Georgia, outside maybe Missouri, once we get a little bit more data on Missouri. Missouri, the most consistent team thus far, right? They've looked good. That's, they've looked good. I just want to see them play against a better opponent, which I think we'll see this week. Right. A total yeah. mess outside those three teams, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt, just very, very bottom of the barrel at this point. So a good win for South Carolina. It sort of gets them off on the right foot to start their uh, SEC campaign. Yeah, and Georgia's not in a bad place either still. They don't have Alabama. They don't have A&M. They're, they're in a, a pretty good spot right now, even with the loss. Elsewhere in the SEC, Arkansas 49, Texas Tech 28. We both called this one, Dan. I didn't expect it to get this out of control, but Arkansas dominated the Red Raiders, had 40 minutes of possession. They did have the monster game on the ground that we thought 438 yards and seven touchdowns. Alex Collins, as expected, over 202 scores. Jonathan Williams, four touchdowns to his name. Arkansas didn't even try to throw it. They didn't no, even try. They didn't, they didn't need to. It. I love it. They didn't need to. Just 12 attempts for Brandon Allen for 61 yards. Didn't need to throw the football at all. Just flat out, we're going to run it, try and stop us. And Texas Tech showed that they are sneaky awful, as you've been saying for the last <laughs> couple weeks. Yeah. And in fact, that uh, they've got some work to do on defense. Yeah, they and they have work to do, but they also just need time and reps because they're just so thin in that front. And that's something that we knew coming into the season, how much they were replacing on defense. It was pretty brutal. And if there is going to be a team, especially on the road, that Arkansas is going to be able to take down, it is one with a ton of uncertainty against the run. And so Arkansas, we know what Arkansas is going to try to do. They did not try to mask and hide anything. Alex Collins had a fantastic day. Jonathan Williams, a fantastic day. It's going to be a lot more difficult against other teams in the SEC West that have that depth up front. LSU, Alabama, Auburn, they've all recruited very well there. But at this point, this is one of those games that Arkansas should have won and potentially could have lost in years past, given the sort of coaching and scheme uncertainty. So a very, very nice building block win for Arkansas. They're not going to do a ton this year, but it's it's a good feather and a very probably a it's a, a mail order because of its size cap of Brett Bielema. Yeah. And I think Arkansas to its credit is already better than it was last year, which is sure. something you want to see if you're a hog fan, right? I mean, we're not talking like seven and five, right? Cause the schedule's brutal, but we're talking about a team, even if it can improve marginally mm-hmm. is a big deal. Cause they were pretty awful in spots last year. Just couldn't get it together and they need to get more consistent on the passing side of things. They're still not the balanced team. I think Brett Bielema would want, but uh, where's my sound here? I have the Brett Bielema sound. Oh, that's so nice, Bird. You know, just a nice story for Brett Bielema, Dan. I love it. Just yeah, a nice more, story. The more Arkansas can go on the road, not turn the ball over. They had a couple of uh, turnovers against Texas Tech, but they, they were nice on third downs. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot with penalties. They are showing the signs of a team taking steps forward. Elsewhere in the SEC, Florida, 36 mm. Kentucky 30 Kentucky if if Texas Tech again is sneaky awful Kentucky's sneaky scary not bad this game went to triple OT if I remember correctly Kentucky's gotten noticeably better under Mark Stoops not a ton especially on defense yeah I mean not a ton else you could say about Kentucky they were always supposed to lose this game 17 point dogs clearly not 17 points worse right than Florida after watching this football game I think Florida's in trouble, though, starting next week on the road against Alabama. Oh, there are ridiculous amounts of trouble, the Gators, yes. The Gators also on the schedule have LSU, Missouri, Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida State. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal for a team in the first year of its new offense. But the story to me in this game, there were there were nice things about Florida. Jeff Driscoll made a lot of nice throws. Didn't throw down the field a ton. But Demarcus Robinson emerged as a number one receiver. Matt Jones looked to be the workhorse that I think a lot of people expect of him. Um, It's just with Kentucky at this point, they've recruited really well on defense. Their defensive coaching staff is really good. Uh, Mark Stoops appears to have this defense flying around there. There's a lot to like about Kentucky in the long term, especially if they're able to build depth on the offensive line and develop a run game. They were able to throw the ball. All right. Still a little bit careless, but um, and when you think about the SEC East right now, 
it's a it's a good time for Kentucky to be building something interesting. It is for sure. And one thing that jumped out at me right away, I'm not going to sit here and act like I watch a ton of Kentucky football because I don't. Right. I don't. Generally speaking, when Kentucky's playing, I'm not watching. Right. But I do remember plenty of games in the past when Kentucky would go out there, snap the ball and the quarterback would essentially run for his life. Mm -hmm. It seemed as if there was a game plan here. It seemed like guys were in the right spot. They were positioned well. They knew what they were doing. They had some sort of strategy, which isn't something we've seen in years past. Mark Soup's clearly, I I don't know if this game's any indication, has the Wildcats going in the right direction, which is a good thing. Absolutely. What else stuck out to you? I think the, the big one that we're sort of missing that we haven't spoken of in the SEC quite yet South Alabama missing now um, <laughs> Oklahoma Tennessee which is technically an SEC game because Tennessee played it and we're talking about the SEC East yep um, and we can transition into the Big 12 with this game uh, any thoughts regarding Oklahoma and their place now in the uh, in the hierarchy of, of this season and Tennessee's progress I was really impressed with the Oklahoma defense yeah, that oh that was God, the story yeah. that's going to continue to be the story this season, by the way. Everyone wants to talk about Trevor Knight, this, which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, Oklahoma's got a great offense as well. Five sacks, 12 tackles for loss. We said it in our preview before the season, a veteran attacking defense. Mm-hmm. And in this game, they just overwhelmed the volunteers, yep. which is, again, nothing new, not a great surprise. But to see it in action against a higher quality opponent in Tennessee mm-hmm which I don't know. I forget who Oklahoma played in its first two games, but Tennessee was clearly a step Tulsa up. Tulsa and somebody, yeah. Tennessee was a step up from both of those two sides. Lots yeah. Uh, I thought the defense in this game was really impressive. Yeah, that that's the thing. And I guess another Stoops defense, right? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Mike Stoops, Mike the defense Stoops. coordinator for Oklahoma. Yeah, it was, it was a very nice performance. Tennessee didn't really have a, a a ton of opportunities. They have interesting speed on offense with Jalen Hurd and Marquez North. But aside from that, Worley is not, you know, he is not the future of Tennessee football, but that's okay. Uh, the more they get experience on both lines, the better they're going to get. It's not going to happen overnight. No, at any point this season. Uh, but the story still to me is Oklahoma. And this was not a, a Oklahoma didn't run away with this game. It wasn't 34 to three after a quarter and a half and Tennessee just scored a touchdown. It was, I think late in the second quarter was like a a 13, seven game, something like that. Um, And Oklahoma did the, the thing that really good teams do. And even though they're not playing at the top level in the first half, they make a, a number of good adjustments at the half and they just shut down the opponent and everything the opponent tries to do. And that's what Oklahoma did. As you mentioned, that attacking defense, striker, all of those guys did a fantastic job. And, and what's his name? Uh, Sanchez. Yep. Zach Sanchez. I like pronouncing his name like John Miller pronounces Carlos Beltran. Oh, the John Miller fake Spanish accents. Long bit of Miguel Tejada. <laughs> Zach Sanchez. You know, I hear so, he, he yeah. had an interception, right? Yeah, he did have a pick. It was uh, it was a complete game for Oklahoma. Very nice to see them just completely tighten the screws in the second half. The thing I'd add about Tennessee, though, is that the Vols are scrappy. They were overmatched yeah. in this one, but they played really hard. They fight. That yeah. bodes really well for them moving forward. It's great time to be in the SEC East. Huh? Yeah, it's. I was going to say it's not out of the question. They could beat Florida because yeah. Florida needed overtime to beat Kentucky. Definitely. It's. You know, who knows? That's a rivalry game. Tennessee plays hard. Um, they're going to be good in a couple years. They're just not there yet. Intriguing, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, quickly, elsewhere in the SEC, we'll just run through these quickly. Missouri, yeah. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, A&M, Alabama all win handily. Bama did not cover the 48-point spread, though, as I had forecasted. So I hope you bet with me on that one. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vandy needs a late rally at home to beat UMass. Scored 34 points, too. How about that? Good for you, Vandy. They needed a missed 22-yard field goal at the end to to clinch this one. But yes, Vandy gets on the board. Missouri's looked consistently good. Uh, Ole Miss, again, their defense has looked locked down and angry. Um, Beyond that, not a ton to take away. Texas A&M rolled. Uh, And LSU started out slow. It was only 10-0 at the half, but eventually paced their way to uh, a shutout win over Funroe. So, yeah, a a nice week in the SEC. Very curious to see when they start beating the hell out of each other. Yes. All right. So you wanted to move to the Big 12. We can do that. Let's go to the Big 12. UCLA 20. Yeah. Texas 17, Dan. 
Best part of this game was the coin toss. Did you hear about this? I did hear about this. I didn't see this happening because it was not a game that I could watch on my phone. I was in and out of watching this game on a TV elsewhere in the wedding. Um, UCLA, two uh, two opportunities to return kicks. So here, here's what happened. You can read about this on the interwebs. It's they this deferred, big, right? This big thing of information out there. Yes. UCLA wins the toss and elects to defer its option to the second half. Mm-hmm. Texas then... When given the option in the first half, elects to kick. Yay! The official, the official at that point explains to Texas the implications of this decision. Right. Texas still elects to kick, Dan. Yay! UCLA essentially gets the ball, does get the ball to start both halves right. of football here. Now, the other story here was Brett Hundley mm-hmm. injuring his left non-throwing elbow Jerry Neuheisel, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might remember Rick Neuheisel, former coach UCLA. Tell this is his son. This is his this son, Richard Jerry Neuheisel. Okay. Neuheisel comes in, goes 23 of 30, 178, two scores, one of which was the game winning touchdown with about three minutes left. Texas had the lead late, Dan. It looked like yeah. they were going to win this game until Neuheisel threw that pass. Ultimately, UCLA wins a tight one here. Mm-hmm. 20 to 17 it's important now we like where's the softy music you know we like to play this music for ucla it's important that ucla was able to win this game on the road without their best player that tells me that they maybe have a little bit more fight in them than i initially gave them credit does that make right. sense it makes sense I'm going to say I think I, it's important to say good things about this win before I try to be a little bit more realistic about this win with UCLA. OK, I like UCLA a lot. I think they have a very good defense. I think they're talented all over the field. Still not crazy about the offensive line and their offensive skill, though they are able to run the ball better this week than they were in previous weeks. Got a little bit more. Again, Texas isn't not still the cure for the common run game. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Look at how quick yeah, you Yeah, I'm are. getting quick with this soundboard. This is very good. This is I'm a impressed. new addition here. I'm sorry it took me a split second there to get acclimated, but uh, yeah, no, we've no, got it at the ready. Yes, it is important that UCLA be able to, and Hunley specifically, be able to get rid of the ball. You don't want Hunley ending up like Braxton Miller and taking too many hits, or for that matter, Marcus Mariota last season and taking an unfortunate hit. Hunley's too good a player to rely on him every play. So it was nice that Paul Perkins, when Hunley went out, was able to shoulder that load on the ground. They didn't trust Jerry Neuheisel to do all that much, even though he did make that big throw at the end of the game on a very nice pump fake down the sideline to, I want to say it was Jordan Payton, for that game-winning throw, it was important that UCLA's defense tighten the screws. I like that phrase today. I don't know why. After last week's kind of embarrassing showing against Memphis and their ease at moving the ball right. in Westwood, or I guess in Pasadena. The big thing to me, though, also Texas looked to take a little bit of a step forward offensively with Tyrone Swoops getting in a rhythm early. They just can't sustain any sort of offensive success ever. Um, and UCLA, I'm still worried about that offensive line. They still looked overwhelmed early on. They changed up their game plan with Jerry Neuheisel. It made it a little bit simpler, but now with Brett Hundley really dinged up, they say he's going to be back next week and he'll heal, but what's that offense going to look like? How shy is he going to be about taking off and running with the bum non-throwing hand, non-throwing arm elbow? I think it's interesting. I think UCLA is in good shape and they'll continue to improve. I just against teams that are physical and want to run all over them or throw all over them. I'm just not positive that UCLA has four quarters of excellent football on both sides of the ball in them because they're not winning games with Jerry Neuheisel week in week out. I agree. And it's an important point that Brett Hundley is currently nicked up because UCLA, not just this season, but in years past has had the devil of a time trying to protect its quarterback. Yes. So you've got a guy nicked up already week three. How does that affect things moving forward? Um, I do want to come back to what you said, though, about Tyrone Swoops looking better for Texas, because he definitely did. I think at one point he was 10 of his first 10. They didn't trust him a ton. They were shorter throws. Looked a lot better throwing the football. The next step for him is to throw more down the field. Right now, they don't have the explosiveness. And he didn't use his legs at all in the game. Right. They just I mean, he uses like to buy time because Texas offensive line did not look that great either. No, no, no. He didn't throw the ball down the field enough. 
that's going to be the next step for them. But right. um, I do agree with you. A step forward for Texas and actually a nice bullet point for UCLA being able to go on the road, hostile environment, albeit against Texas, but still win the football game, which is all that really no counts. turnovers for Texas. That's a thing that that matters and counts. Absolutely. West Virginia, Maryland, Dan. All I got to say is this. We both called this one. It was a high scoring game. We West did. Virginia, 40. Maryland 37 as it goes Maryland's offense did have enough firepower to score with West Virginia this was actually a really great game to watch not a lot of defense so if you're into that you probably didn't enjoy it but offensively speaking Clint Trickett throws for 5 11 and 4 touchdowns at one point West Virginia was up 28 6 but Maryland fought back Got a couple big plays, a long touchdown pass to Safan Diggs, a mm-hmm. long touchdown run by C.J. Brown, a punt return by Will Likely. Ultimately, West Virginia wins this one with a field goal at the gun. So a really nice win for the Mountaineers as they've got Oklahoma mm-hmm. at home this coming week, which we're going to discuss maybe at the end of this show, at the if not at the end of this show, certainly at the start of the next What were your general takeaways from this game, Dan? Did you get anything out of this that you can use moving forward as you try to predict your games? Yeah, West Virginia is going to need to hope to score a ton of points and then hold on to a lead with a pretty underwhelming defense. That sounds about right to me. They just don't have the depth at this point. They're obviously more fundamentally sound than they've been these past couple years, but they really are going to need to hope to hang on to these games, the hope to, to generate turnovers to get the defense off the field. They were not able to do that against Maryland, but they were able to hold on important enough. Um, Clint Trickett is very good, especially in this offense. He appears to be the trigger man that West Virginia has finally found since uh, since losing Geno Smith. Uh, Nice to see a little bit of balance. They weren't able to do a ton on the ground, but they were able to move it a little bit consistently. I just I want to see something from West Virginia's defense. One game against a decent team where they're able to hold them down. But I don't know that that's going to be the case. They're just going to be entertaining. I think that's the big takeaway. West Virginia games are going to be pretty entertaining because of a combination of Dana Holgerson's mind, a quarterback, a decent running back, and an extremely good receiver in Kevin White. As far as Maryland goes, Dan. Yeah. Not much balance. It's a no. decent team. It's an average or slightly above average squad. They they have been reliant on big plays. They've been reliant on big plays and C.J. Brown. Yeah. He ran the ball 18 times for Too 161 many. yards yesterday. Other ball carriers from Maryland combined for nine carries and two yards. It, like, what is, is this a Randy Etzel thing? This one-dimensional offense? I mean, I guess as long as you're good at it, it's okay. And I right. know at UConn, throughout their success before he left he rode jordan todman all the way to the fiesta bowl but one dimensional moving forward for maryland i guess that puts you in the top half of the big 10 obviously it means you just didn't have enough firepower to score with west virginia and we're not even taking into account the fact that the defense allowed 511 passing yards so maryland's got some work to do i think is my point yeah, no, they they definitely have work to do. It's they they need to improve on defense, especially through the air, covering the pass, as seen in this game. But uh, they're going to be competing. They they have the athletes, and if they're able to stay healthy and able to get the ball out of C.J. Brown's hands, and he doesn't need to throw the ball downfield a ton, but to be able to keep defenses honest and out of the box, I think is going to be important. If Maryland is going, and they should just by prox, just by the the fact that they're in the Big Ten. They're going to have opportunities to win much more often than I think we even thought before the season began. Oh, absolutely, Dan. It's going to be interesting this coming Saturday night when West Virginia plays host Oklahoma. I'm actually looking at the point spread now. It opened around 11, mm-hmm. 11 and a half. That feels a little low to me with Oklahoma's defense. But that said, I've never been one to bet Oklahoma minus anything on the road because that's never been a winning recipe for Bob Stoops. This is true. This is absolutely true. (laughs) Well, we'll deal with that one when we have to elsewhere in the big 12, a big win for Iowa state 20 to 17 on the road over Iowa in the Farmageddon game, right? Baylor, TCU, Oklahoma state all win pretty big Texas, Texas tech, Kansas all lost their games. 
Where do you want to go next? You want to go Big Ten? You want to go ACC? We've got action I think we should discuss. go Pac-12 just because of USC Boston College. Okay, let's go Pac-12 slash ACC and talk yes. about Boston College 37, USC 31. All I got to say is this. It's a trap. It's a trap. When you hear that sound, Dan, I want you to think of this game. I do, and not, I will. Not just in this moment, but forever, forever, forever until eternity. Yeah. The definition of a letdown game after a big win, plus the cross-country travel, plus Steve Sarkeesian, mm. just made too much sense. It made too much sense, and yet neither of us bought in because USC looked really good so far, was yeah, able to Fresno beat Stanford. State's, so Fresno much State's for that. terrible. <laughs> so much for that, though. I mean... Yeah. They did beat Stanford on the road. That's not a bad win. Yeah. Well, Stanford also beat Stanford on uh, at home, I guess, technically that game. But yes, that is a that is a good win. And it's a last night was a way for the universe to correct itself. Steve Sarkeesian wins a big game like he had done at Washington, beating Stanford, beating USC, whoever. Universe corrects itself. Steve Sarkeesian loses to somebody dumb. Not that Boston College is dumb, but USC should not lose to Boston College no matter where the game is being played, even with the depth issues that they still have. Uh, Boston College didn't overthink things. They went straight at USC. We yep. didn't think the the USC defensive line, especially the defensive front with Hayes Pillard manning the linebacking core and, and leading that core behind Leonard Williams and a really talented defensive lineman. We weren't super worried about that. The offensive line had some concerns, but early on they looked good. They were able to formulate a system to uh, sort of take advantage of the fact that the offensive line wasn't fantastic, getting the ball out of Cody Kessler's hands quickly, but they proved able to run the ball both against Stanford and Fresno State. So I think we saw, we, we thought we saw improvement in the USC offensive line. And then Buck Allen rushes 15 times for 31 yards yep. against Boston College, who couldn't stop Pitt the week before. James Conner, good running back. Pitt's a decent team, but USC should at least be as good at anything on a football field as Pitt, if not better. And uh, the offense looked out of sync. Cody Kessler had a decent, if not inconsistent night against Boston College. Uh, later on in the game, he was able to find receivers when they went really quickly and took advantage of how tired Boston College was on defense. But the story, Tyler Murphy. Yeah. He do doesn't throw the ball for anything, just keeps on running. He looked like Tommy Frazier in this game, Dan. He did. He absolutely did. He fooled the hell out of USC's defensive line on some keeps and, and reads late on late in this game. There was a big play that uh, what's his name? Leonard Williams completely bit on that ate up the USC defense. And it's not like Boston College was lining up like some of these spread to run teams like Oregon or Ohio State. They would line up all on the line of scrimmage. One receiver split wide, maybe, and then put into motion and sort of made into an H back. BC was basically daring USC to stop. Uh, USC to stop them on the ground and the Trojans simply couldn't it was a lot like watching Stanford last year against Oregon Stanford was happy to take three and a half yards per carry because that just means first downs and USC couldn't do anything about it so I was I was a little bit shocked that USC wasn't able to make the adjustments on both sides of the ball to ultimately turn this game in their favor uh, and BC an unbelievable win two of 11 on third downs and they still win this game to say that USC's defensive line had some issues and to say that Tyler Murphy looked like Tommy Frazier is not even telling the full story. Right. Here's the full story. Boston College outrushed USC by a 452 mm. to 20 margin, Dan. Spicy. That's how out of control this game got. And uh, look, I take back what I said about the people who picked Boston College to win this game. Because I went on a bit of a rant on Wednesday night. Right. saying you got to watch the games and Boston College is terrible and nice win for them. A bad loss for USC, but a really nice win for Boston College and Steve Adazio. Good for them. Yep, absolutely. It was it was fantastic. See, hope they don't. There's a letdown factor for the next month or something. Well, if this season has proved anything through three weeks, it, it's the season of the letdown. It is the season of the letdown. We need a sound for that. Yeah. I got to get on that. Let's move on. Let's go to where should we go now? Oh! Let's go ECU, Virginia Tech. Let's play it again. Season of the letdown. It's a trap. It's a trap. Just play it again, Dan. Why the hell not? Season of the letdown. Now, this was this was more of a letdown spot than a trap game. Yes. If only because ECU is, is really good. This wasn't mm -hmm. like Boston College jumping up and nipping USC. Right. Either way, Chris the Capper locked it up. Both you mm -hmm. and I were on board, too. Right. I saw this from Andrea Adelson on 
ESPN.com, Virginia Tech's now lost four of its last five games immediately after beating a ranked team. So, wow, you know, we should have maybe considered that before making the picks, even though we Frank were on Beamer the right overslept. side. He overslept in his eight game bed. The eight win bed still alive. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. We don't need to practice today, guys. Just take it easy. The eight win bed still alive. There in it is. Blacksburg, Dan. How much of this game did you have a chance to watch? Uh, inconsistent watching situation for me because I was taking groomsman pictures, but uh, I was able to watch the fourth quarter more than I was any other quarter, and so I missed a good chunk of of Shane Carden throwing all over yep. Virginia Tech. It was nice to see the adjustments that Tech was able to make in the second half and ultimately render. I think Carden even throw for 50. I don't think he completed 50% of his passes, but um, ECU able to hold on get a good last second touchdown. Um, they're a good team. And Steve Spurrier wasn't wrong when he said they would finish in the top half of the Big Ten before the season, before anybody knew about the Big Ten season. And uh, Virginia Tech, probably a bit of an overreaction to a, a nice Ohio State win. We don't know exactly how good Ohio State is yet. We know that they're not nearly as good as we thought they would probably be with Braxton Miller. And for as good as Michael Brewer and as solid as he's looked early on, he has been pick-prone. And that didn't end with uh, with the East Carolina game and they were able to turn turnovers into points. And that's essentially the formula for winning in a difficult place to play against a, a ranked team. So good for East Carolina. Good for Cardin. He's the best quarterback that Virginia Tech has left on their schedule or had left on their schedule. So um, not a huge surprise. Virginia Tech, I still feel like, is going to be in that eight to nine win bed that Frank Beamer has made so tightly. There it is again. Sorry. <laughs> um. But the ACC is one of those, the conference that perhaps has this crazy big middle class that you're just not sure what the hierarchy is going to look like until it all ends. Yeah, you mentioned Shane Carden, 427 yards passing. ECU really did go right at Virginia Tech secondary. Mm -hmm. They went up 21-0 in the first quarter, Yep, three passing touchdowns. ECU did not shy away. They were not afraid of that Tech secondary. Then they turned off the Jets and let Tech back into the game. To the point where Tech tied it up at 21-21 with about a minute left. ECU marches down the field, 65 yards. Scores a go-ahead touchdown on a sweet, sweet Shane Carden sneak. Did you see that one? Of course I did. 28-21 was your final here. The impression for me was less that Virginia Tech was in a letdown spot and more that ECU just flat out beat Virginia Tech. They they looked like the better team in this game. Totally fair. Fair and square. Virginia 23, Louisville 21, Dan. (laughs) ACC middle class who's in it who's not I have no idea here's what I know Virginia turns people over at an alarming rate to the point where I don't think anybody has created more turnovers thus far this season nationally than Virginia and if you're not going to have an offense and this is what we're talking about we've talked about this with a couple of other teams earlier today at least be able to turn over teams West Virginia can look at regular old Virginia as a nice example, just in reverse, they need to be able to turn over teams like Virginia because Virginia going against Louisville, a Louisville team that we knew was going to be in transition, but going to Virginia and having that who defense just lock everything down. A majority of this game, Louisville did a nice job in the second half clawing their way back to use your words. Um, But uh, Virginia, no offense, but yes, wins. Yeah, well, it was an ugly game, and maybe that's the kind of game Virginia needs to play in order to win. But ugly game, seven turnovers, 14 penalties, divided equally between Virginia and Louisville. Louisville just looked a mess on offense. Probably time to pump the brakes on them, possibly knocking off Florida State later on in the year. They've got some work to do before I think any of us is comfortable even thinking about that. Yeah. I still have a really hard time finding a pathway to six wins for Virginia. I hope I'm wrong if the defense can remain this This is going to be an interesting week. It's going to be an interesting week. BYU-Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I'm having a hard time finding those six wins to get Virginia Bowl eligible. Right. But if you were worried that Michael London wasn't going to be able to take a step forward, I think those fears are a bit assuaged. I think he's been able to move the program forward. The problem is going to be next year when everyone graduates, mind you. Right. However... This season, it has at least looked to some degree like he's coached them up. And so you're looked, buying Virginia early. I'm buying Virginia early as like 
a five win team as like a fringe bowl team, certainly as an improved ACC team from last season. Fair enough. That sound about right. Yeah, I think with that defense, they're going to be in a in a lot of games. Yeah, I agree. Seen as we've seen Virginia Tech struggles early on in the season, or I guess just this week. Um, As we've seen Boston College play up and down, it's not like. And I don't. I I should probably pull up Virginia's schedule before I start talking about teams that they may or may not be playing. Um, But I think with that defense, it is, and with the ability to turn teams over and win ugly. I mean, BYU, they, it's on the road, but it's not totally laughable that they could ugly that game up. Kent State, sure. Pitt, they could, it's at home. They could win that game ugly. It, um, there's nobody that stands out on their schedule other than Florida State that they couldn't slop up and win a 13-10 game against. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's tough to find a pathway, but it could happen. Right. They've got the yeah. defense. So, All right, elsewhere in the ACC, Pitt struggled early, then pulled away late from Florida International. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech blew a lead, then rallied to beat Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Syracuse, a lot of people liked Southern in that game. Yeah, yeah, Syracuse, NC State, Duke, Miami, they all win big. Utah State. Big basketball matchup, Duke and Kansas. That's right. Uh, Utah State beats Wake 36-24. We had a reverb about if you're 300 pounds and played offensive line in high school, you can start for Wake. Wake's got some issues, but we knew that before the season ever started. It's all in my legs. Sure, go out there. Just go. Go play. Go out there and go play. Yeah. There you go. All right. Let's go to the Big Ten. Let's do this. We don't have to, Ty. Let's go Let's let's go we out there. This is not a, a, a mandatory thing. Let's go out there. Let's do what we got to do. <sighs> Another bad day for the Big Ten, Dan. Not, not as epic a fail True. as last week, but Indiana lost to Bowling Green. Minnesota got blowed out against yeah. TCU. Illinois got bombed by Washington. Yep. We already mentioned Iowa's loss. Remember when Iowa thought everyone was a sleeper team? I mean, they're two and one. They haven't looked good, though. No, they haven't. Not at all. No. Um, Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska. They had cupcake ga- cupcake games. Excuse me. I did, here's here's what I didn't watch a lot of because it was happening at the same time of USC Boston College. Yeah. Penn State Rutgers. Penn State to have Rutgers. Been a just a a lovely delight of a tire fire. Thirteen to ten was the final score here. Mm, the Virginia big, Classic. The Big Ten Network desperately wants you to believe that this is some kind of rivalry. Right. And I do mean desperately. Like mm-hmm. every commercial break, let's talk about the Penn State Rutgers rivalry. Mm-hmm. Perhaps one day there could be one. But that day, I promise you, will be long after Gary Nova graduates and a new Gary Nova is playing quarterback at Rutgers. Sure. Gary Nova, too, like Snowball, too, from The Simpsons. Right. Exactly. Speaking of Gary Nova, though, Uh-oh. this game was the return of Gary Turnover. Yeah, it was. He's like a speedier version of Tommy Reese with a stronger arm, mm-hmm. but worked worse accuracy and decision making. That is there, who Gary Nova is at this point. There are a lot of games. There are a lot of individuals that you can point to. Uh, like, look at this, you know, this Brady Manning matchup. The uh, the Christian Hackenberg Gary Nova matchup from Saturday night will not go down. No. As an all time quarterback clinic. No, will not. Um, this game was ugly as hell and Penn State was lucky to escape. What did you see in this game other than Gary Turnova? Well, Rutgers held Penn State down for most of the game. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't pretty on either side. Too many turnovers for Rutgers. Zero offensive line for Penn State. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this all year. Against, yeah. against UCF, it looked, I thought, better than expected. Against Akron, it was so-so. Last night against Rutgers, I mean, it was the worst-case scenario, Dan. I've been trying all day to put words around this. The protection it gave Christian Hackenberg could best be described as SPF two. Yeah. Every single snap Hackenberg was running for his life. We need some bullfighting music when we talk about particularly awful like UCLA level offensive lines, like Penn State level offense. We need like Toreador music. Well, this I I mean, UCLA is like a rich man's Penn State at this point. True. You know, Hack ran for his life. He really Mm -hmm. did. He was sacked five times, hit eight more. Still, he threw for 309 yards, somehow willed Penn State to victory yeah. in this game. And look, I, I don't know Penn State's ceiling at this point. I know the floor is probably six and six. I feel like with the reduction in sanctions, this is probably a lower end bowl team. I don't right. know what the ceiling is, though. 
The Big Ten is such a mess. Yeah, I don't want to write off nine wins. I feel like six and six is the baseline. I don't want to write off nine or ten wins because I could see crazy stuff happening. Christian Hackenberg having more games like he had last night, finding a way to will his team to victory. Um, you know, Penn State may not be the prettiest team out there, but they do have the right kind of attitude. They are fighters. And I think that stands for something given the current climate of the Big Ten. Right now, you can comfortably pencil in UMass, Northwestern, Indiana, Temple, Illinois. Yeah, I, I feel like that's five teams. That puts them at a reasonable. Like certainly, they have the the floor of six and six, but their floor really should be seven and five. Michigan at Michigan, who knows? I mean, Michigan is more talented and deeper, most likely. Yeah. But I, that's still a toss up to me. Ohio State, and Michigan State are the only. Yeah, they're losing those games. That is what is going to happen. They're going to lose those games, but that's okay because they probably should lose those games. But beyond that, they there's a very real possibility that they're not going to play all that much better than they've played thus far and could still go nine and three. Like I told you, they would in like July. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting. The Big Ten, in the words of our friend Dave Jones from the Patriot News, yeah. is a conference that will be dominated by no one and survived by someone. And Penn State may not have the line to do that on offense. Survived they, is a word that makes it seem like somebody is like there's attacking going on. It's that's, that's too harsh a verb to me. <laughs> it's, it's a war of attrition. Yes, true. It really is. And I don't know, again, what the ceiling is. I do know they've got the right attitude. Again, like if I'm going to say it's it's a great time to be in the SEC East. Yeah, this it's is a true. great time to be an average team in the Big Ten. <laughs> This is true. No, you're right. You're right. All right. And uh, one other Big Ten game, quasi Big Ten game of note. Right. Notre Dame 30, Purdue 14. Someone asked me, someone asked me why Notre Dame always struggles against Purdue. Don't know if I have the answer. uh, The game always kind of falls in that weird look ahead spot, let down spot on the schedule. Right. Somewhere before or after Michigan and Michigan State. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't an impressive win. It was a letdown win after a convincing victory last week. I'm still not seeing anything from Notre Dame's stable of running backs that we've heard about. Right. That everyone fawned about. I'm not seeing anything on that front. It's still entirely Everett Golson on offense. When the rubber meets the road in a few weeks at home against Stanford, that's when we'll find out what Notre Dame's made of. But I didn't see a ton in this game that's going to lead me to think they're going to lose or they're going to win that game against Stanford or when they play some better competition. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's close out with the Pac-12. We already mentioned the USC letdown loss, the UCLA close win. We didn't mention Washington's destruction of Illinois, did we? No, but you just did, and that's plenty. Uh, Stanford won 35-0 over Army, where the real highlight was Army's punter taking out a safety on a blocked kick attempt. Oregon won big over Wyoming. Wazoo by 38 over Portland State. Arizona State by 14 on the road over Colorado and uh, Arizona hanging on to edge Nevada by a 35 28 margin. Is there anything I missed there? I think we're good. I think that's that's a good recap. Did do you feel like we've missed anything? No, I'm just asking if there were any hot sprots takes from <laughs> the Pac-12 that I might have missed. I don't know. Uh, Oregon, Wyoming. Yeah. Huge. No, there wasn't. There wasn't a ton um, from the Pac-12. No, not much. Um, did you check on your Pat League tie? I'm I'm pulling it up right now. What <laughs> website even has Pat League scores, by the way? ESPN.com. ESPN.com. There you go. All right, let's run through this. Why not? Fordham 54, Rhode Island seven. Dan. New York. Wow. Um, New Hampshire, Lehigh. New Hampshire, Lehigh. Yeah, you New got Hampshire a little bit wins. ugly early. Lehigh comes back. Not nearly enough. Lafayette tie. I call him Bob Morris, but apparently it's Bobby Moe. Bobby Moe, yeah. Lafayette embarrasses pants, slaps, and and, and powders Bobby Moe. I don't know where I was going with that. Holy Cross, 2-1. and one. You do not just walk into the, the Cross Dome and take down the Crusaders. They're 2-0 at home. Delaware. You you went Colgate here in a big no I went big Delaware I went Delaware because oh, I was go Delaware here you were just in Delaware I was in the state of Delaware I had to go Delaware fair enough you did go Delaware came through for you late come nice comeback in the second half 
Georgetown Maris, we both called this because we do our studying. We are breaking down the tape and we saw things yep. that I don't think the Maris coach saw. What is the Maris, Maris What is the Maris mascot, by the way? It looks like a the Maris fox. Tears. Oh, they're the, the Maris Tears. No, they're the Red Foxes. Oh, they're the Red Foxes. Excuse me. Um, an exciting week with Lafayette uh, really standing up for the Pat League. Lafayette and Fordham and Lehigh just really sticking its head into a hole. Real ugly showing from Lehigh. Okay. Well, there's your Patriot League rundown very quickly before we go. Yeah. As I mentioned at the top of the show, there are some point spreads breaking. Yeah. I don't know how many of these you saw. If you saw any of them, I want you to pretend as if you didn't. Okay. Let me run through a few of the key matchups for the coming week. And you tell me, gun to your head, Mm -hmm. who you predict in these games against the point spread. Okay. Right. Thursday night, Auburn, nine-point favorite on the road against Kansas State. Thursday night, on the road, favorite Kansas State, struggled against Iowa State, hasn't been super consistent early on in the season. I don't have a good reason to go against Auburn right now, but I haven't really broken things down yet. Michigan, minus six and a half at home against Utah. Michigan, minus six and a half. I could see Utah winning that game. They're on the road against Utah. It's at Utah. At Utah. Utah doesn't defend all that well, and Michigan doesn't offend all that well. Um, it. I'm. I'm inclined to take Utah right now. Yeah, me too. But I'm going to need a deeper dive. We're going to need a deeper dive on all these. I just want yes. a gut reaction. Gut reaction is Utah right now. Florida, a 15 and a half point underdog on the road against Alabama. I'd be inclined to bet the farm on Bama there. I like Bama there a lot. I don't think Florida's very good. Clemson, a 20-point dog. Wow. But That's you know a what? Lot Kentucky could be pretty decent at the same time. Kentucky could be. But Florida did not look great. Clemson, a 20-point dog on the road in Tallahassee against Florida State. At- I really like Florida State there. Yeah. Yeah. I think after that opening week uh, against Oklahoma State, Florida State is hungry to uh, to embarrass somebody of note. Well, it'll be interesting. There are some other games here. Yeah. There's a game between Cal and Arizona, which they can't set the over-under high enough for that game. The over-under... Oh, that's 45-42. Easy. I mean, that over-under needs to be like 82 and a half yeah. to open. Yeah, it's weird when you think to yourself, you know, Cal's defense might be better than Arizona's right now. It isn't, but that's a realistic thing to ponder. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Arizona's not looking strong on defense, and that's okay because... They're going to look strong on offense. They're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts. They're going to be fun to watch at like 12.42 a.m. Yeah. Well, we will be back on Wednesday. We'll talk through all of the week four action. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not a loaded slate, but I think it's a little bit more balanced from top to bottom. A few more intriguing games of national significance for us to discuss. Can I request something, Ty? Sure. Um, We have easily the greatest listener base. Oh, yeah. College football. Easily. Easily. And we have people that tweet things like, love this week's episode of The Solid Verbal. Yep. You got to listen to this week's. This thing that that Ty did when he was talking about his orgies that he was having in college. Hilarious Just story. wild orgies. Wild orgies. Got must listen. It's so cool to see that people like the show. My request is this. Throw a link into the show. Yeah. Help people out. If you're complimenting the show, that's amazing to hear. Love that you guys are enjoying it. Throw that link into that tweet. Make it easy for people to love along with you. Tell your friends. We've been saying it all year. Do it. Tell your friends. We've been Don't doing do it really for me. well. Do it for Ty. Do it for Ty. We've been doing well. We put a lot into this. If you like the show, send people to our website, solidverbal.com. Throw that link into that tweet. Yeah. Or go out to iTunes. Give us a uh, five-star rating if you like do what that. we do. You know? I've, been, I've been told they're adding a sixth. There you Stop. go. So just, you know, pay attention. Do that. Follow us on Facebook, on FanCred, and of course... On Twitter, mm-hmm. don't forget to call in this coming week, 408-VERBAL-1. That's 408-VERBAL-1. Mm-hmm. That's how you can get your voice on the reverbs. Had a few new callers last week, the week before, the week before. Even this week, new names all the time. New numbers popping up on our little interface where we can monitor all the action. Never ceases to amaze me the dozens upon dozens uh, of messages that we receive from people who just get into the college football action. So certainly doing the show for the verballers is what makes it worthwhile for me, Dan. 
Yeah, absolutely. 100%. On that note, Dan, I will talk to you on Wednesday. Yeah, I'm going to be here. And I will be much more rested than I am right now. I am unsure if I'm going to make it back home and might just sleep where I'm sitting right now. Go out and get some rest. We'll yeah. catch up with all you all on Wednesday. In the meantime, for that guy over there, Dan, for myself, Ty, thanks again for tuning into the Solid Verbal. Talk to you soon. Take care and stay solid. Peace. Peace.